Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And Katie, how are you today? Jared, I'm great. I'm really excited because we are using our new little platform for the podcast. And I've actually had some family call me and say, you're doing ads now. This is so cool. (laughs) Which I got to say, that was the opposite of what I thought uh, people were going to do. I thought they'd be like, no, no ads. I hate you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the ads. They're short. It's only the one. It's only the one thing. But I do yes. think that it's a cool service. And then um, I was also excited because you told me that we could check stats, and it's a little bit better than the last uh, platform we were using. And we wanted to do a shout out because Oregon is our top state that listens to us the most. Jared and I were both very surprised by this because we, we thought it would be Indiana or Ohio where we reside. But it Which is are in two fact, and three, Oregon. But Oregon. <laughs> Right. Number one. So shout so. out, shout out to our top three, but especially Oregon. Thank you so much. Shout out to Oregon. This one, this one's yeah. for you. Episode number twenty-seven, <laughs> the King with <laughs> Timothy Chalamet and other people, <sighs> as I normally say. Um, and that yes. we'll get into in just a second. So I also want to tell you, I watched right before we started recording. It's yes. it's I watched uh, Seth Meyers' new stand-up special, which is on Netflix now. <gasps> what I'm going to add that to my queue it right is, this it minute. It is called Lobby Baby, and it's it's pretty funny. I liked it. So Jared. I just wait to talk to you so that I know what's happening in the world. <laughs> so Seth Meyers special. I've always liked Seth Meyers on uh, SNL and I like his late night show. So special. If you like either of those, his special is right along the same lines. So Oh my gosh, funny. me too. Yeah. You know, so I, that's on I'm adding it to my list literally now. I also, um, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, I've been the, I just saw the ad for the, um, Meryl Streep movie, The Laundromat, which actually looks pretty good. But also, I have so many things on my list on Netflix and HBO and several others that, like, I had to actually start putting in order and give myself deadlines. (laughs) Because I'm worried if I don't watch them. I know, because then I'm like, if I don't, if I don't do that, though, then I won't watch them. Like, especially HBO, I'm not going to keep the subscription forever. I just do it for a couple months out of the year. And I'm worried that uh, I'll run out of time, which is stupid. I, this is I'm making this sound like it's life or death, and it's really not. But it's you not, get it. But yeah, I understand. I also just signed up for uh, Disney Plus, which will have either launched or be <gasps> very close right. to launching by the time you listen to this. And so that will be another thing that I'll have to watch things on. So yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's that's happening with all these streaming services. But Lobby Baby is on Netflix. Seth Meyers' new stand-up special, and you can check that out there. Also, uh, how odd that we're recording a movie about a king on election day. I just wanted to say that today is <gasps> election day, the day we're recording, and we're talking oh about gosh. a movie where there was no election. It was just like, hey, bro, you're the king now. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. Also, well, so what else is weird is uh, uh, I am reading for, you know, where we went to college, UND, shout yes. out Greyhounds. Um, they, I do that community class where we take, it's basically like a book club. You write papers, you, you post um, and like respond to different prompts. Anyway, we're reading Ivanhoe, which is a book I can say I would have never picked out on my own um, to read, but I'm really enjoying it. But it's the same time frame and everything as The King. So I actually told my class last night I was finishing my paper for the week, and I told them that they should watch The King because it has a lot of like very similar events and the time frame and also the costumes and stuff are probably what they would have been wearing in Ivanhoe if Ivanhoe was real. Yes. So that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I haven't read that book either. So, but... 
Shout out to UND. UND is awesome. So <laughs> yes. If you listen and you went to UND or you teach at UND or work at UND, whatever. Thank you for listening to the yes. uh, the Silver Screen Podcast. The English department actually gave us a shout out once so on, on Twitter. They so did. shout out English department. Those are my people. It's <laughs> because I, that's, that was my major. It was. So still waiting Proud for the it. communication department to put something out on their Facebook page. Oh. But. Maybe Let's they'll get around them. to it. Yeah, I know. I can get in contact with people. But anyway. Put it on my to-do list. Today we are uh, talking about The King, which, as we've mentioned, is on Netflix. It was released on November 1st on Netflix. It had a very small theatrical run before it hit Netflix. Um, box Office Mojo said it made $272, so we're not... The box office is kind of irrelevant for this movie. It's rated R for some strong violence and language. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Um, on IMDb, it's a 7.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 71% critics and then an 85% audience. Kind of low sample sizes for both of those, but uh, audience rating is higher as of right now. The synopsis of this movie, Hal... Wayward prince and heir to the English throne is crowned King Henry V after his tyrannical father dies. Now the young king must navigate palace politics, the war his father left behind, and the emotional strings of his past life. And of course stars Timothy Chalamet, which he's getting a lot of praise for this movie, and we'll talk about him more in a minute. But I wanted to ask you real quick, Katie, what do you think about... This is a pretty high-quality movie. Definitely just like overall one of the higher-quality movies I probably watched on Netflix. And do you like this direction mm-hmm. they're going in with like more high-quality stuff with like, you know, well-known stars telling kind of interesting stories? I kind of like that, that they're, they're kind of branching. Obviously, they've done some movies so far, but this is another one of those that like you could tell had a pretty big budget and had people that you actually, you know, recognized in it. Actually, yes, I'm I'm all for this. I read I know that you and I thought about um, discussing this on our next episode, but I read the op-ed today by Martin Scorsese in the New York Times, and it gave me a lot to think about. And I pretty much agree with what he's saying. Um, But again, I'll save that for us to talk about at a later date. But I I understand why people would worry about Netflix kind of taking over because I never want to lose the the like. Ex- cinematic experience where you yes. go see a film. Yep. But I think of people who are like, there's people who are bedridden, ridden. There's people who are on bed rest for months at a time when they're pregnant. There's people who maybe are disabled and can't leave their home. I just think like it's good to make things, to me, this makes things more accessible to people who maybe couldn't afford going to the movies, can't get out of their house, what have you, but they're st- still seeing good quality film. So I'm all for this. I've really enjoyed it. And I know you and I have said multiple times, it's kind of nice to save a couple dollars and actually be able to sit at home and eat your own food and watch something for the podcast. Yeah, it is. It is really nice. I mean, I just watched this on my couch the other day. So yeah, that that aspect of it is really nice. And obviously, like you said, there are some movies that you want to go to the theaters and see like the big comic book movies come to mind. You know, Star Wars, when that comes out, is obviously a like a theatrical event. But movies like this, where they do have some action and they have some, you know, big budget stars and stuff, but look, still play well on the small screen, I think is is good that Netflix is kind of coming out with these type of movies. One area I want to say 
that they've done like really well in is like romantic comedies. And I think yes. they, they know that those can be watched. Those don't, you really don't have to watch those at a theater. You can just watch those at home and they have the same effect. So I think that that's really Definitely. their niche is they've done a lot of really high quality romantic comedies, but I like to see them doing stuff like this. That's a little more historical based and has some, you know, up and coming, obviously Chalamet is like an up and coming star and it has some established people in it as well. So I like where they're going in the movies that they're coming out with. And as long as they're this quality, I would say that they can, you know, they keep making them basically. So just want to get your thoughts on that. I'm definitely in agreement. Yeah. That's and kind also, of a new thing. <laughs> well, and I know we're not doing this till the, the end of the month when the Irishman comes out, but I cannot wait to see how many downloads, like how we hear about how well that does, because I think it's going to surpass, it's going to make a lot of records, I think. I think Netflix so too. Hasn't done and yet. They've, they've started to release yeah. more data of like how many people are watching things. Like they announced like 20, I think it was 25 million people watched El Camino. The first couple of days it was wow. out, the Breaking Bad movie, something like that, yeah. which if you factor that at $10 a ticket for a box office would be $250 million and would be, you know, like opening weekend, right. basically, which would be an insanely huge success. So I think more and more stars are saying, you know, even if we don't have the metrics of like box office sales, we know that Netflix has a ton of subscribers and a lot of people are going to see this and they're still a contender in the awards, you know, areas like the Oscars and Golden Globes and all that. So there's really no reason not to do this and, and get it made on Netflix for a wide audience to see. So that's what yes. they've done here with the king so we're going to do some critics reviews of this movie there's a few different ones some positive some a little more negative all of them kind of say stuff about Chalamet obviously he's the, he's the standout um, this is from Thomas Laffley of RogerEbert.com he says with weighty things to say about contemporary and corrupt institutions of power and even dangers of male hegemony Mikad's non-preachy the king comes with philosophical heft and visual authority to match that's a pretty good review right there. Some again, some of these critics, man, they just like pull out their Oxford dictionary to figure out the most difficult words they can throw in these. So <laughs> I was you know what? I'm glad you said that because when you were saying it, I forgot because I was putting this in our notes today. I never remember if that word is hegemony or hegemony. I don't know I either. I got hegemony. to it and I just said what I thought it was. Well, but I, I was like, man, I should know this. I, I think sometimes you know how you can overthink something as well? Yes. Um, so I actually, I think it's hegemony, but now I need to check. And again, I can hear people just like I would be doing screaming, in, screaming their cars. in their car telling um, us what it is. But I did want to tell you that also reminds me this week I was talking to people at work because they're really sweet. They always ask about our podcast and how it's going or tell me what they listen to. And somebody actually like without, they weren't even talking about the podcast. They were just talking about something coming out or something. And they were like, oh, I love biopics. And I was like, or wait, by oh my Biopics. gosh, I just thank you. Sorry, my God, I'm sorry. Okay, they said they said it correctly. Now, okay. see, I'm overthinking it. Now I'm nervous. I'm it's sweating. Biopic. Oh gosh, that's the right <laughs> okay. way to say it. So, <laughs> so they said, oh, that isn't what I said. My bad. But they said <laughs> biopic, and I started laughing out loud. And they asked what was wrong, and I had to tell them that that is like the hardest word in the entire universe for me, <laughs> which clearly I just proved my own point. Let's move so, past it. I'm sorry. Anyway, on to, back to, on those to the critics. next one. 
It, this one's from Chris Agar of Screen Rant. He says, The King is a handsome period piece featuring a strong turn from Timothy Chalamet, but ultimately feels like less than the sum of its parts. As we get into more detail on this movie, I would have to say I agree with Chris. That's kind of my overall thoughts. Chalamet is very good. Some other things could probably be improved with this movie. I don't know how you feel specifically, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with, with this one. I would say that was the quote I also related to the most. Good to know. Also, next up, we have Lauren uh, Vinzana of WBAL-TV. She says, Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson are the clear highlights in the Shakespearean rendition of King Henry V. I would agree with that one, too. Although Robert Pattinson is honestly not in this movie all that long. Uh, They kind of hype him up a lot in the trailers and marketing and all that stuff. But he is a pretty small, small part in this, honestly. He doesn't even appear until about an hour and a half into it. So... If you're really looking for a lot of R-Pat in this movie, this is probably, probably not the movie for you because he's in it and he's good, but it's it's a very it's kind of a limited role. So, And then Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian says, So much of the poetry and the sense of loss has gone from this decaffeinated version of the story. But here's, here's the thing, Peter. Um, this is taking three Shakespeare novels and combining them into one movie. So obviously when you do that, you're going to have to like cut some things out and you know cut things down for time yeah. and all that. So I don't know. I get that criticism, but also it's like it's a two and a half hour movie. Obviously, they couldn't put everything in that were in these, these plays you know, in, in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. So those are some critics reviews. We're going to get into director and cast here in just a second. But first, we're going to take a short break. Okay, and we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about The King with Timothy Chalamet. It was directed by David McCod. I think I'm saying his name correctly. Um, if not, I apologize. It's either that or Michaud, but again, I yeah. really should just like listen to interviews. But let's say it's it's one of... I, I, I'm going to say Michaud. You say McCod. Okay, <laughs> great. And one uh, of those is one of probably those is right. correct. <laughs> he's, uh, he's done Animal Kingdom and also War Machine. Also, Brad Pitt produced this movie. It seems like any historical movie that you watch at the credits roll and you're like, producer, Brad Pitt. You're like, oh, wow. He's just kind of connected to like all things in Hollywood. I he's know, in movies, I love Brad. He produces movies. He does yeah. all kinds of stuff. So I feel like he's sneaky too because you, I only... A lot of people, I think, think about celebrities because you see pictures of them and you see what they're filming. But Brad Pitt seems like he never stops working because he's always producing a film, if not starring in one. He's always, yeah, he's always doing something. So he's been in two movies this year, at Astra and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he's produced definitely a few that we've talked about here on this this podcast already, you know, and it's limited run so far. There's been quite a few that have been produced by Brad Pitt. So yes. he really gets his hand in a lot of these, which is, which is cool to see that he's supporting these kind of original historical stories. That seems to be what he's tied to more interested in is like things based on real life or history um, or things like that. That's really what his production company, Plan B, kind of gets into the most but i i like that he produces stuff that's very cool so now we'll get into the cast and first off we have timothy chalamet of course who plays hal and henry v in this movie he's the he's the lead oh jared you know what's coming 
I love me some Timothy Chalamet. I think I've mentioned it at least 12 times on the podcast so far. But let's just say if Tom Hanks is my old crush alert, my oldest, like, I mean, as in age, he's not the oldest, but I'm just saying. Okay. Let's say he's the one that's like the slightly fox. too old for me. Yeah, he's my silver fox. Timothy Chalamet <laughs> is like my slightly inappropriate too young for me crush. So him and Tom Holland, I've mentioned it, I know, at least on one other episode, but I was stoked to see him in this movie. I don't even say stoked. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, <laughs> moving forward, <laughs> I I was really excited to see him in this. I'm most excited, of course, to see him in Little Women. But he does play Hal, like you said. And Jared, I thought this was fascinating. I found out so many facts about Timothy, but I knew a lot of them already. But I put, apparently my boyfriend, <laughs> Timothy, was born <laughs> one day before me. But of wow. course, a different year. But he yes. is—he is in December, the day before me. Um, also, his middle name is actually Hal, like okay. as in the character he plays. Which to me, Hal is not a common name. Timothy, and Hal I don't Chalamet. think it's common in. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he has—I think he has four names. I could be wrong, but I know that okay. Hal is his middle name. And I thought it was just so interesting too because I don't know if that's traditionally like a French name or not. But he did. He speaks fluent French. I was really excited to hear him speak in the film because I've also been learning French for two years. So I was also trying to like look away while he was talking to try to actually understand it. And then it was cool because you could tell that that wasn't difficult for him. Like you could tell that was just absolutely he knows it backwards and forwards. Um, and he grew up going back and forth between France and New York City. His father is actually from France. Um, he, of course, has been in Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, Interstellar, Beautiful Boy. And he also, I know the first thing I ever saw him in was when he had a recurring role in Homeland. He was the the kind of like uh, cranky son, teenage son of, I believe it was Tracy Lett's character or maybe... Maybe it wasn't Tracy yeah, Letts, but I don't know. He was um, like 15 when he was in that, too. So, yeah, he was and really he, young. he was, <laughs> I think he was pretty unpleasant in the show, too. Anyway, he, of course, was nominated for an Oscar for Call Me By Your Name. Pretty impressive feat for someone his age. Um, and that was for Best Actor, not Supporting. You can see him in his upcoming portrayal of Theodore Lawrence, or Laurie, as he's better known, in Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Have I mentioned before how excited I am about Little Women? <laughs> I think so. And Little Women okay. it comes out December twenty fifth. <laughs> right yeah, around I there. just, I just want to remind people it's coming so that we all go see it. Um, it is. He is also the big thing I know that is coming up that I've already been hearing about all this year is he was cast as one of the leads in the remake of Dune, which I know my dad loves the book and loves the movie. Um, I know that my dad and other diehard fans are not really sure about why they're doing a remake, but. Either way, I'm sure Money, it's going to be fantastic. Money, baby. And also, I, I listen, if Timothy's in it, I'll go pay to see it. So no problem. But that that is scheduled to release in 2020. And then he has two other movies scheduled uh, for release that are called The French Dispatch and Find Me. But I don't have hmm. any other information. Just know that I'll go see them. And then next up, we have Joel Edgerton. He plays John Falstaff in the movie. He also co-wrote the film, which I thought was very interesting. He's been getting into that more with like writing yeah. and directing. So that's really an interesting path for him to take. I, I really like him as an actor. He's probably one of the more, I'd say, underrated actors in Hollywood. Just somebody that doesn't get yes. like, talked about a ton, but always cranks out like a pretty solid performance. I would agree with that statement. And he, I keep forgetting he's Australian. Like every time I'm reminded of that, I just completely forget because he does a really, he just does a good job with accents, whether it's American, British or what have you. Um, 
He was in the movie Loving, which I know got a lot of critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. I did not see it, regrettably. I did not either. Um, he was also in Boz Lorman's The Great Gatsby, which I'm obsessed with. I own it. I love it. He was also in Zero Dark Thirty and Black Mass, and he's going to be in the upcoming TV TV series, The Underground Railroad, which is still filming, um, but that's based on an award-winning book, and I'm really excited for that one. I also, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before because I was saying I need to make sure I read the book before that series comes out. Yes, I think somebody else we were talking about was is going to be in oh, that yeah. too, so yes. pretty stacked. I can't remember who it was, but you're right. Um, next up, we have Robert Pattinson. Like you mentioned, he is Louis, who was the Duke of Guyenne and also known as the Dauphin. Dauphin. Um, I think that's how you would actually say it. Again, I'm not fluent yet, so I'm working on it. Um, He's, of course, best known, unfortunately, for the Twilight Saga franchise. He was also in The Lost City of Z, which I know has come up in multiple episodes because other actors in movies we've seen were in that. He was in Water for Elephants, Remember Me, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, R.I.P. I won't ruin it, but you should know by now. Harry Potter's (laughs) been out for millions of years. A while. And then... He's also in The Lighthouse, which is getting a lot of critical acclaim. That's the one that you and I are trying to review for the podcast, but we're trying to see if it comes a little closer to where we live. Um, But I do think that there's going to be some nominations for that this year for Oscars. He already has four upcoming projects, including Tenet, which is the next Christopher Nolan film. I wanted to make sure you knew that, Jared. I do know that that's the next Chris Nolan film. So I'm excited. Yes. And then I know John David Washington, um, Denzel Washington. Yeah, he's in that, that too. too. Yeah. Yep. And then you will also see Rob in the next Batman, which is not due out until 2021. So we've got a ways to go before that releases. Interested to see him as Batman. Wouldn't really picture him as my first choice to be Batman. Um, but I'm right. interested to see what he does with the role, I guess. So I didn't really yeah, love it's... Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought Ugh, um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale was was pretty good, honestly. He's um, he's the best. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what Robert Pattinson will do. Normally with Batman, you just I just picture somebody like more gritty than Robert Pattinson. But yeah, hey. I'm I was really surprised by the pick, but I I actually I'm think intrigued. he might knock it out of the park. Yeah. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but I have high hopes. Yes. And then we only have two people left. I only I've been trying to make it top five ish. And this movie actually you see a lot of people, but out of well known people, there were only five. Um, ben Mendelssohn plays Henry the Fourth, so he is Timothy Chalamet or Hal's dad in the film. Definitely, you know him from everything. He's also an Australian. He is best known for The Dark Knight Rises, Star Wars, Star Wars Rogue One, Ready Player One, and Spider Man Far From Home, and also the Netflix show Bloodline, which I was really into. And then yeah. he has a TV series called The Outsider that is scheduled to release in 2020. Good to know. Yeah, Bloodline is the first season was really good. Other seasons Absolutely. were okay, yeah. but so, the first so. season first season's really solid and that's the one he's mainly in. So definitely and Kyle Chandler's in that too, which I'm a big Kyle, Kyle Chandler fan. <laughs> and so. Sam Shepard, RIP forever. I love you. Yes, I forgot. He's that's in all. that as well. Just, yeah. Yep, just sending it out into the void. I miss you, Sam. Anyway, uh, lastly, we have Lily Rose Depp. She plays Catherine, although if you ask me, it's spelled incorrectly because I spell mine with a K and an <laughs> R-Y-N. Uh, she was born in France also. Um, she is, of course, the daughter of Johnny Depp and Vanessa Parody, and they are no longer together, unfortunately. She looks just like both her parents, but especially like her mother, if you ask me. 
She also, just like Timothy, grew up in between Paris and Los Angeles. Timothy was mainly between Paris or like uh, France in general and New York City. But either way, they both have a lot in common. So it doesn't surprise me that they are dating. It does make me sad. But listen, we can't have everything. Plus, I'm very happy in my relationship. I should just I should just say that because I've really been talking about Timothy a lot. Um, yeah, also, Arjun's getting concerned. <laughs> he knows. I mean, I at least tell him about – he knows about <laughs> Timothy and Tom Hanks. Um, she has not been in much yet. I wasn't saying that to be rude, but I really couldn't find anything recognizable. Um, I know her because she's done a lot of modeling. So I've seen okay. her in a lot of modeling campaigns. But she was in – it sounds like she has a couple things coming up, one called Dreamland and Voyager are both in post-production. So I think we're definitely going to see her again. And she honestly, in this uh, movie, I would definitely say it was a minor role, but she has a recognizable face and she's like, I I would say people our age know who she is. So I wanted to mention her as well. Yes. And so that's that's basically all the main cast for The King, which you mentioned has a lot of people in it, but a lot of those people have small parts or non-speaking roles i mean to form an army you need a lot of actors so and a lot of those actors are just gonna like stand there and and you know shoot bow and arrows when needed so that's kind of (laughs) what what happens in this so with that there's um some historical stuff that you looked up and we won't spend like a ton of time on it but we did want to go over just a few quick things um that were kind of accurate about the film or inaccurate slash slash made up but this is pretty accurate to what actually took place yeah, I I wanted to mention this because I know in other episodes we've kind of I've done like what's fact for fiction, especially when we talked about Ted Bundy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I and also I think for me, movies like this, it's really helpful for me to have some historical context, because even if they're not historically accurate, I would rather know what is historically accurate. So I just um, I got all of this pretty much all this information from a great article online. It's on SmithsonianMag.org. And I believe the name is Mylan Solly is the person that wrote this. I just saw this, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Um, Anyway, the article mentioned Henry V is the person, of course, we're talking about, also known as Hal, which I always forget Hal is a nickname for Henry. But anyway, he married Catherine of Valos or Valois. I'm not sure how to actually pronounce that, but I wanted to give that context so people know. Because, you know, when I hear Catherine, I think Catherine the Great. But then I think, who is that and who was she related to? Mm -hmm. And it's all confusing. Um, Also, I did not know until watching the film and starting to read about it that this was based on Shakespeare. But I would really like to point out as a lover of Shakespeare that it is very, very, very loosely based on Shakespeare. Like, okay. they took a couple ideas, a couple characters, and went with it. Um, so the Shakespeare plays, though, that I'm referring to, they are commonly referred to as the Henriad. So it's like a triad. I think that's cute. Um, the sto- the storylines that contributed, at least to this one, are Henry the Fourth, Part One, and Part Two, and then Henry the Fifth, of course. So I have not read all those. It sounds like I need to. I did want to say that a character that they did pick out of the Shakespearean plays was John Falstaff, who is Joel Joel Edgerton's character. He is a completely fictional character created by Shakespeare, but he is known um, out of all of Shakespeare's repertoire as one of the wittiest characters he ever created, which is really saying something since Shakespeare was so good at humor and witty characters. Um, 
Another thing is I, I liked, there's a couple quotes I got in here too that I thought were interesting. So there's, uh, for the Washington Post, there's a woman named Anne Hornaday. She wrote a review of the film and I actually thought it was a good portrayal. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a good portrayal of how when we first meet Hal, what he's like. She says, young and impulsive, most often found broing down, <laughs> broing down at the <laughs> pub or sleeping it off or somewhere in between, which I <laughs> thought- is- yeah. This is a lot of what happens early She's in this movie. She's got it to As he's just in his bed yeah. and people come in and they're like, yo, uh, you need to like this- get going. You need to wake <laughs> up. You need to like, you're yeah. in charge now. <laughs> this also sounds like uh, the slew of people that I would have dated uh, prior to my late 20s and early 30s. Uh, so just, just wanted to point it, it out. down at the pub. Just throwing down at the pub, sleeping it off or somewhere in between. Um, <laughs> some things I did want to point out that were hor- that were historically inaccurate in the film. Oh, yeah. Inaccurate. Sorry. Yes. Was the French king who that's who Rob Pattinson plays. He did not fight at the Battle of Agincourt, which that's like the main battle in the film at the very end. Yes. And uh, spoiler alert, they show him getting murdered. And that did not happen that way. Okay. He actually died after the battle. He and Henry both died of dysentery. So that's anticlimactic, but a horrible way to die. Can I just say? Yeah. Um, I won't describe it. You can look it up yourself. I want to keep this a G or PG rated uh, podcast and also don't want to make people feel unpleasant in the morning if they're listening in the car. But it was also known as the bloody flux. That's what you need to know. And it was often fatal. Like pretty much if you got it in that time period, medieval time period, you You were were going to die. And you were going to die in a horrible way. Um, Yeah. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and Henry, unfortunately, did – sorry. Henry, unfortunately, did die of this. And they – the debate – the sorry. The date of his death is actually up for debate as far as how old he was. He was either just shy of his 35th or 36th birthday. Either way, super young. Very sad that he died that young. And then the last few things, the French were favored to win that battle, which I think is interesting to know. And it reminded me that battle a lot of Game of Thrones, actually. Um, the English actually won because that was when they had developed or started utilizing the longbow. So apparently which they, do, they do point out in this movie. Yes. They do show yes. them shooting the arrows. Yeah. Which is a Very cool shot. Very smart. Yeah. And then the Smithsonian article, I loved how they described it. I mean, it's gory, but they said anyone who slipped or fell in the mud had little chance of getting up again, instead succumbing to suffocation under the crushing weight of their comrades' corpses. And apparently 6,000 soldiers died during or immediately following the battle. Yeah, so that's a, it was that's pretty a, bad. Yeah. A key scene is Robert Pattinson just like falling down in mud a lot. Yes, so. that was uh, we'll we'll get there because I would put that in a dislike, actually, his death. Um, my favorite quote. This is the last historical thing for you. My favorite quote from the article, again, the Smithsonian article online, sums up Henry V's legacy, saying, writing in Lancaster against York, historian Trevor Royal offers a concise assessment of Henry's all consuming military campaigns. For all that he waged a successful war against France, and for all that he exacted from his defeated enemy, a peace treaty that gave him most of what he wanted, Henry's campaigns in France created as many problems as they solved. So it sounds like overall, Henry wasn't a bad king, but he was kind of like one of those politicians that like creates problems, fixes a few, just kind of middle of the road, kind of, uh, uh, what do they call it, when you zero, you zero it all out. Yeah, you just kind of really don't do anything. So yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you too. This is kind of a spoiler. So if you haven't seen sure. the King yet, um, just yeah. come back Stop after listening. you've watched it because we're going to get into more in depth stuff here in a minute too. But did you ever find? Did you find any information? Because at the end of the film, Henry 
goes to his advisor. I forget the exact name of that guy. And basically, I do he too. learns he learns from Catherine though that his advisor on the inside basically plotted this whole thing and oh, that yes. he really didn't need to go to war at all. It was all like an inside job and then he kills that guy. But I didn't know if that actually happened in real life or if they just made that up for dramatic, dramatic purposes. Effect. Yeah, which so they could have. I, I read probably three or four articles on this movie and I also watched a couple interviews. I didn't see or hear anything about that. Okay. I would be, I would say 70% sure that Hollywood made that up for dramatic okay. effect. Good to know. So yeah, yeah. that's an I'm interesting... I'm sure things like that happened. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> sorry, I'm sure things like that happened, but I didn't read anything where it was like intentional that people plotted and then uh, as a direct result, they started a war. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Just wondered if that I was could be true wrong. You guys can send us hate mail if you want. Um, please don't, but if you want to troll me on Twitter or if you want to politely correct us, please let me know if you're a history buff and you actually know the answer to this. Yeah, if you know a lot about Henry V, then uh, then please share. So now we'll get into our likes and dislikes. Of course, we've talked about the actors a lot, and that's really the standout in this movie is that the acting is really solid and everybody was really well cast in this film for sure. I couldn't agree more. I actually, when I was watching it, I thought that everybody was perfect. Like, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Hal. I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Falstaff. I actually thought Joel Edgerton was perfect for that. Yeah. And then Rob Pattinson, I think you and I have some debates, and some of the reviews I've read have some debates. I actually thought Rob was great as the spoiled, bratty French king. I thought he was pretty good. There were times that he was a little off-putting to me but I thought that overall he did a good job uh, with the role obviously it is kind of a limited role I really liked Joel Edgerton's character as you said Falstaff I thought yes he was really good and he played that really well as kind of an advisor to Timothy's character Hal and helping him out and at one point in the early in the movie he decides he's not really gonna help him out anymore and then Timothy goes to his house and asks him to kind of be a part of his team for this battle that they're preparing for and he gives him he just kind of is is the you know sage person that gives advice throughout the film which is what you need if you're like a young king and you haven't really done any of this before you need somebody that's like able to kind of lead you through some things and that's what he does in this film so i really liked him but yeah pattinson i thought was good mendelson i thought was pretty good in his limited role um kind of early on in the movie and then of course chalamet was obviously was obviously solid too I forgot to tell you, you reminded me of something else. I did read something that was factual about the French king, he, or the French prince at the time. He did actually cut the head off of a little, like a, sorry, uh, if you have children, cover their ears. But he did actually behead a child and sent that back to uh, Hal. Wow. And so that okay. that actually was factual. That so that was how he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how he kind of provoked him. Was okay. like I'm gonna, and I forget whose son it was, but it was someone of great importance. So it was deeply offensive that he did what he did, and it was very intentional. Okay, yes, Good to know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really liked um, the performances. I liked the setting. We've already talked about that a little bit, but the the landscapes in this movie and the set pieces and all of that stuff looked really good, as well as the costumes. I thought those were really solid when they're like in the when they're getting ready to battle. All those costumes look great when they're in their armor. Um, that looks really cool too. I just kind of I really like like med- medieval stuff. I don't know a ton about it, but I like movies that are set kind of in medieval times. I think it's just an interesting time to set something. So. I really enjoyed the costumes and the and the kind of setting where they decided to, to film all this. 
Well, I'm not always into medieval movies. It kind of depends. Like A Knight's Tale, I absolutely love. But I don't know that it's something I usually go to, but I really liked this as well. And I think the thing I liked the most was just that they're redoing Shakespeare because I don't always like, you know, when they redo films to death or do sequels and prequels and 30 other films in a franchise. I'm not always for that. But I do love when they redo Shakespeare like over and over again, because I've talked to my parents about this before, big Shakespeare fans as well. I do think Shakespeare intended for his work to be shown over and over again for generations to come. I I think that was actually his purpose and he kind of knew it would it would lead to that. So I appreciate that they're doing this because this makes it more digestible, I would say, for a lot of people if they're younger, where they can see something like this and learn a little bit about history, whether it's factual or not, they can even figure those things out for themselves. Um, but I like, I just like the fact that they're telling this story that that's where it came from was from Shakespeare. Yeah. I think that's a cool influence for, for a movie for sure. And, um, this movie did film in the UK. Don't know exactly where, but that's where they shot this. So in case you were wondering, um, where it was filmed, it was filmed in in the UK for the King. So that's, did you have any other likes? That was kind of all the, all the likes. Those were my main ones, yeah. Okay, we yeah, that them. was kind of all my main ones, too, is the acting was really good, sets were really good, costumes were good, all that stuff. Now we'll get into our dislikes, which I have a few for this movie. I know one thing that you disliked was that there is a lot of um, graphic violence in this movie, not just during the final battle, but kind of like all throughout at various points. Yeah, I didn't... A lot of it, I just... I thought it was going to be a cut, too. Like, you don't see... Oh, murder. yeah, but you see it. Um, you definitely do. Like I mentioned when we cover Joker uh, in our last episode, how I don't like when people, the the anything with a gun like in the face, like their head. Yes. Um, I also don't like throat cutting. I mentioned it in that episode, and you definitely, there's a little bit of that in this. Uh, Some head chopping. Just decapitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's not my favorite. I can't say I was surprised that it happened because that's definitely like the guillotine and everything that was so Mm -hmm. like, that was when it was people were figuring this out. But, um, so I thought it was pretty graphic. And also when I was looking up the rating, I guess I wasn't surprised to see that it was rated R, but pretty much the only thing you could make it rated R for was because it was graphic. It's not like there wasn't a lot of like, there was no lewd scenes or anything like that. It was, it was just because it was graphic violence. Yeah. There was a little language, but not bad for the course of a two and a half hour movie, honestly. So yeah, it was definitely mainly the violence that this got the R rating for. So That was one thing I noticed, too. Early in the movie, there's, like, a scene that happens. I can't remember exactly what it is, but they do, like, cut away. So that made me think, oh, for the rest of this movie, they're probably just going to cut away and not actually show you the end part. But they they do a lot of different times, probably four or five times in the movie that happens. So if you don't like that, just just FYI, there is there is a decent amount of graphic violence in this. So another complaint that I had and you also had is that there are a few scenes in this movie where it seemed like we didn't need them. We could have cut them out. They were just slow. We're just kind of getting ready for the final battle. I mean, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes, which is pretty lengthy. And I feel like there were definitely some parts in the film where we could have you know, cut some things out, shorten some scenes, just made it move a little faster. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I also didn't know the runtime. Like, I didn't pay attention to that when we, like, I started watching it. But when I went to go do that for the notes and figured out it was like two hours and 20 minutes, I thought, oh, that makes sense. It kind of felt like two hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I normally don't want to leave a film and think, oh, yeah, it felt like it was that long. Like, I would rather it not feel that long or not feel like I kind of mm-hmm. wasted time, which, of course, sitting at home watching Netflix to me is not a waste of time. I get other things done. Um, but it did, it felt like it dragged a little bit. There were a few points where I just thought, where is this going? Um, also but it was still like, good. Yeah. And I also want to say like from the trailers and all the marketing Netflix did for this, it made it seem like it was going to have way more action in it. I don't know if you felt that yes. way too, but like they really marketed it as it's going to be like gladiator or something that has like a lot of battles and fight scenes and things like that. And really it's just the scene, the big battle at the end. There's also one other um, battle where Timothy is fighting another character. Um, I can't remember that guy's exact name or his historical relevance, but oh, he, me either. he fights him. Basically his brother says he wants to fight and Timothy's like, no, I'm going to handle it because I don't want you to die. And then you find out spoiler alert that his brother does die later. But there was that. And then there was like the final battle and that was kind of it. So that was the only real big action scenes in the movie. So that was a little disappointing for me because I expected that to be a little more action-y. When we got to about halfway through, I kind of took it for what it was as more of like a character study on Henry V and kind of how he went through this certain time period in his life, which I appreciated. But I just wish they wouldn't have like put that so heavily in the marketing because it made me seem like it was going to have a lot more. Like I was really excited for it originally and it just made it seem like it was going to kind of move a little faster than it than it did. Yeah, and I I like action as well, but I would prefer things like a maybe not even a slow burn, but people who are having really um, complex or like uh, suspicious conversations yeah, or, or like things where you're not really sure along. what their intention. Yeah, like like a cat and mouse game. I'm all for that. I would actually prefer that to just action, action, action. But I felt like this one fell a little short. Like there were scenes where I wanted them to play more cat and mouse, and then they didn't. So mm-hmm. it was just like, I, I didn't feel like it ever fully got to where I wanted it to. Yeah. One of um, my, I was going to say yeah, like one ahead. of my, two of my favorite scenes where they kind of do that is the scene where, um, Hal meets Robert Pattinson's character. Yes. For that the is first probably time. my favorite scene. Honestly, I love that scene. That one's a really good one. And then also I really liked it. The one at the end where he's talking with his advisor dude right near the end of the movie. And he basically figures yes. out that the whole thing was a, a setup. That's a really good, like 10 minute scene there. But like you said, sometimes it starts to do that and then it cuts away to something else. But what it cuts away to is not ex- that exciting. So you're like, why did we just end that right there? We could have just continued that and it would have been more, more interesting. Agreed. I, I think the same thing. Um, and I, especially, I did want to say I was Rob Pattinson, you and I talked before we were recording the episode just about how his accent, we were both like, we we felt differently about it. I wasn't sure if I loved it or and I was impressed by his accent or if I just thought it was a bizarre French attempt. But as far as the acting in that scene, I thought he really showed his skills because at the beginning I wasn't sure like when Hal walks in the tent, I thought they were going to be friends. It seemed mm-hmm. very friendly. And then I thought why are these two going to war? And then Rob Pattinson suddenly his whole demeanor changes and he's kind of this like sadistic ruler who's like oh i killed a kid yeah. best of luck to you see you at the see you at the fight yep um so <laughs> i thought he did a really good job acting in that scene again it was probably my favorite and i think um just the last thing that i didn't care for as much in the film though was i i don't like when 
I have trouble. This is also happening in Ivanhoe. So I'm just, I feel this way about books and movies. When something is loosely based on something and then trying to discern what's historical, like what's fact versus fiction, that really irritates me actually. So like, because it took me out of the movie. There were so many things like you asking that question about the advisor is an excellent question. I hate wondering if that really happened. Like I Mm -hmm. hate being uncertain in a film if they're trying to be more accurate or if they're just like, hey, we took someone else's idea and made it into a movie. And to me, this felt a lot more like we took Shakespeare's brilliance and just made it into kind of a Hollywood film rather than yeah, rather than doing exactly what Shakespeare's plays were doing. I know I was saying, like, I appreciate people retelling Shakespeare, but I'm not sure this is exactly what they did. I think they more took his idea and did something else with it. I think so, too. And that's one reason I think why you see like stuff like Hamilton be so highly received is that that's a, you know, a Broadway play that's based on Alexander Hamilton's life. But all the stuff that is in that play actually happened to, you know, Alexander Hamilton. You know, like all this stuff in that play is basically true, except for very little stuff that one Manuel Miranda said he kind of just made up or fudged a few things for the actual play. But a lot of that stuff in that movie is or in that play, excuse me, is historically accurate. And I think that's one reason why it's got such high acclaim is because it is it does tell a historical retelling of Alexander Hamilton's life. And this something like this sort of tells the life of King Henry V. But as you said, leave some stuff out or just does some things for dramatic effect. And so if you're trying to use this for like teaching purposes or to learn more about Henry V, it doesn't really do a, a great job because you, like you said, you got to wonder what's real and also what's what's fake in it. Yes, I, I think Hamilton, that's an excellent example because Hamilton, I do think you're right that that contributed to all of its praise is because it does teach you about history in a factual and accurate way. Yes, that's what I was trying to say uh, more succinctly. <laughs> so <No>. yes, <laughs> I liked what you had to say. I, I thought you were right on the money there. And I think sometimes historical movies do do a really good job of portraying things accurately, but sometimes I feel like they do, you know, make up things for historical effect. And we have a lot of those kind of coming down the road, like a Ford v. Ferrari is based on a true story and Harriet and um, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is based on a true real person and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of those play out and if they're factually accurate or if they kind of dramatize some things for for effect. So yes, that's basically all my thoughts on The King. Are you ready to give your grade yes i think i am would you mind going first this week sure so um on the last episode of the silver screen podcast i gave judy a 72 out of 100 i liked this a little bit better than judy personally but i don't know if i liked it that much better than judy um so i'm gonna give the king a score of 77 out of 100 oh my (laughs) <laughs> okay, I am actually almost exactly where you are. Okay. I actually agree. I I didn't I actually liked Judy better, but it's because I love that kind of yes. film better and I love the movie she made and everything else, so I feel closer to that. Um but I actually thought this was an enjoyable film. I think Netflix did a great job and I think you and I are agreeing kind of with where critics and audience scores are lying like we mentioned on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. So I gave it a 78. Nice. So yes. those, those are our scores for The King, 77 out of 100 for me, 78 out of 100 for Katie, and it's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, you can just watch it there, and it'll be there for eternity, basically, until Netflix either shuts down or they, <laughs> you know, hopefully nobody in this movie gets involved in some scandal and they have to take it down or anything. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> Knock on oh, wood, that yeah. doesn't happen, so. Good uh, point. But, 
yes, you can watch The King on Netflix. And we mentioned a minute ago some of our upcoming episodes on the Silver Screen Podcast. We have a very busy next couple of weeks because now is the time when everybody is releasing their award season movies. So there's a lot of good stuff coming out in a very limited period of time. So we're going to try... and and we... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say one a previous episode, we said we were going to see The Lighthouse, but then we couldn't control what came to theaters near us and stuff. So w- I know that we're doing the best we can to try to figure out and plan what movies we can see when, when we can record um, and what's worth seeing. So it's but yes. we're going to have a very, very, very busy November and December. I can tell you that right now. We are. So some things that will possibly get reviewed in upcoming weeks, but aren't like definites. We have a few definites and we can go ahead and tell you those. So definites are going to be Ford v. Ferrari, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and The Irishman. Those those are episodes that you can count on right here on the Silver Screen Podcast. So those will definitely be happening. Some maybes or we'll probably do them, but we're just waiting to see schedule wise and review wise and things like that. Harriet, um, Last Christmas, Charlie's Angels and then Knives Out are all coming out very soon. Some of those are already out. So those will also be probably hit on here. And our next episode is probably going to be Harriet based on Harriet. Yes, pretty certain Uh, on that. Pretty certain, which stars uh, Cynthia Erivo and also Leslie Odom Jr. is in that and Janelle Monae. Um, so I'm, it's getting good reviews and really good audience reviews. So interested to see that. And another movie, kind of the third in a row that is based on a historical figure. So very cool to see that. Um, so that'll probably be our next episode here on the Silver Screen Podcast is Harriet. And as always, you can listen to the show in um, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, so Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Radio Public. You can listen in the Anchor FM app. Um, you can actually find a link to that in the description of this podcast if you're listening somewhere else, but you can find us in there too and search that and, and listen to the Silver Screen Podcast. And then be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. And then just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and we'll pop up. And next episode, we'll be talking about Harriet. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs>